So this is a movie that you guys will like. I thought it was okay. Oh baby, that was good. I am stupid. <laughs> I like to cook slop. Do you want to top that slop? Thought we were gonna have fun here. Yes, queen. Down with guilty pleasures, up with pleasure pleasures. Did we talk you into? Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other and maybe, just maybe, even you into liking what we like. This week is Rescue Me. My name is Jeff, and I can't decide if my favorite part of the jug juice experience is pressing your, thru- your thumb through the foil <coughs> top or tasting cheap plastic for the next hour. <laughs> My name is Dan, and no matter how many times you explain NFTs to me, I will never understand them. My name is Jimmy, and my favorite corn chip snack is flavor-blasted honey barbecue Fritos. Those are great, because they're the twisty kind, too. But, Dan, yeah. that was almost my fun fact, because I <laughs> I understand what they are, but I don't get what they are. I don't understand what they are. I, I understand cryptocurrency more broadly but i don't understand nfts like i don't understand how somebody can own an original to be sold in the first place right i guess i'm just tired of it all it's blockchains and man i don't know man (laughs) it's it's confusing i kind of get it i probably get it more than you guys do but yeah you get it enough to make a meme but that's yeah i feel like the limit (laughs) i did i tweeted out saying that we have talked me into uh nfts and it was kind of funny um i think it got one like um so jimmy yours the the corn chip one that's kind of like you know how pasta you know, you guys mm-hmm. heard of pasta? <laughs> yes, I'm, I think I'm familiar. So. You know how it yeah. has different shapes because it holds sauce differently? You know? Yeah. Correct. Corn chips, you got one shape, maybe a scoop, maybe the <laughs> thick, maybe it's thicker. But the flavor twist, that's the only real variance in corn chips. Right. And it's I think the only of corn chips. And it has <laughs> yes. more surface area to hold more yeah. flavor particles. It does, yeah. And to crunch more, it's possibly the crunchiest of crunch trips absolutely yeah Yeah, those are my favorite and it's weird because i think those are the only flavor blasted fritos that exist yeah i think they might have it's weird that they made a variant for one flavor they might have (laughs) at one point had another flavor but i'm not certain i have a very ranch i'm not (laughs) sure I have a very distinct memory of playing the, f- the first Spyro the Dragon game on the PlayStation <laughs> 1 and eating those, and all of the dust just got on my PlayStation 1 controller, and it's it was and, gross. And then but... it just stayed there, probably. Yes. That's what yes, happened. Yes, I'm, I'm looking at a box that it currently exists in, and I just know that there's there's 20-year-old flavor-blasted Frito dust on yeah. there. <laughs> it just gets embedded in the, like the rubber of the joysticks. Yes. Someone yeah. I used to work with pointed out that those chips taste like chili, not like chili peppers, but like a bowl of chili. Yeah. And now that's all I could think of when I well, was eating them. I, I don't think so because they have the chili cheese flavored Fritos, which taste more like chili. Than- really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have a small bag of those, but I've never had them. Um, but yeah, Jeff, I've never I don't think I've had that in. I don't know how long those little jug things of of juice. It came to mind because the little hugs, I walked into a grocery store and they had like a big old barrel and it was the Mm. hug brand, but they were like slightly bigger bottles and they had like these weird little spout things. They didn't have the foil tops, 
But I saw it and I was like, 59 cents, let me get two. I drank them and they burned my throat because they're 98% sugar. But like, (laughs) it just flashed back to whenever we would have band practice or go to shows, I would buy a box of those (laughs) because I never drank. So when people were at bars drinking or like we were underage and drinking in the parking lot or whatever, I would just be like, here's my jug juice. Pop my my thumb through that little guy because who peels it? Because then you taste the glue, too, like the dry glue. No, you pop your your thumb through there, and your thumb gets a little wet, and you lick it. You go, mmm. You get a little flavor. Yeah, and then you don't have to taste the glue. You just taste your dirty thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> so are you talking about, like, the little mini ones? or like Yeah, the they, look like, they look like barrels. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I was yeah, thinking yeah. of, too. And, like, the plastic that they're in is so cheap that, like, you just, as you're drinking, you're smelling burnt plastic. So it's all part of the experience. <laughs> it's just, like, you're you're a all wop- part of the horrible experience. You're <laughs> you're a jug juice sommelier. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any reviews or emails, people? We well, do. We got a reoccurring email um, from friend of the pod, six star Brian, who five star Brian usually contacts he's five star Brian. Now I don't care what he's he saying. Is. Yeah, what he he contacts us about basically every single episode, and, and guys, <laughs> we can't read all of them here. Uh, I did want to read this one because I thought it was interesting. Uh, this is my dad commenting. We should just on, start tweeting them out. That's what we should do with them. Yeah, maybe of that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's talking about the Beatles solo episode. He says, uh, great show. I really enjoyed it. Funny enough, I was 12 in 1970. And remember, we all loved Ringo's solo songs. He <laughs> got tons of radio play and had many hits then. All his hits were snappy pop songs. Suggestion, do a Rolling Stones, Who, or Led Zeppelin show. Keep up the good work. <laughs> then there are one, two, three, four, five, six stars, Brian. Oh, that's so sad because, first of all, he's not six stars. And second of all, we're not doing any of those episodes ever. <laughs> I would consider doing like a Rolling Stones maybe, but I'm not a big Led Zeppelin guy. I think we would need a guest for Rolling Stones. I don't think you like them enough to care to convince us. Uh. I don't know about that. We'll I don't know about that. Not not on my high priority list. Uh, Jimmy, I think we also got some tweets. Yes, we do. And I stupidly uh, scrolled away from them. Okay, here they are. Before uh, we recorded this, just a little <laughs> peel back the curtain a little. I'm like, Jimmy, you got those tweets? And he's like, yep, got them right here. I don't know why I went away from them, but I forgot. But uh, we got uh, two tweets from at uh, Jessica Narrates. Um, and she was saying, shout out to this episode. My brother and I had a short Magic the Gathering phase in our early teens where I even bought two of the novels and read one of them. Yeah, I never learned how to play the game. But then she also said, also enjoyed the Beatles episode. As a huge Beatles fan, I can I can never imagine needing to be convinced to listen to them. But I might reference this pod if any plebs dared to tell me that the Stones are better. I kid, the Stones are adequate. That's and that, that word is plebs. That. It is plebs. Um, oh, really? I, thought I, said- I always am shocked that how many people comment and say that Magic the Gathering was their first episode. Because like, yeah, yeah. so bad. Out, out of all the to- it's not bad, but all the topics we've done. But it's just like Magic is very popular and Dan is very wrong for not liking it. Um, but yeah, go check out our Magic episode. Go listen to our Beatles episode, our Beatles soul career episode, which is pretty recent. Um, cool. Yeah. And sh- obviously share it with all your friends. Like that, you should be sharing these episodes with your granny on her deathbed. I don't care. Be like, granny, I always wanted you to like Magic the Gathering, and you Get never out. and you never would. Would you please listen to this, and then we can play a game, and then she listens to our episode, but unfortunately passes before you can play. 
We just need the listen, guys. Each week, we like to take a few moments towards the beginning of the episode to talk about something smaller that we've been talking ourselves into. Um, I have a feeling this week, Jimmy and Jeff might also be talking themselves into the same thing, but want to shed a little bit of light on this for the audience at home. I'm talking myself into the Blind Box series by Mm. Ian Mondrick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't I haven't read the uh, the first thing yet, but I do have it. Yeah, so I signed up, but I didn't get the email. What the heck? I mean, you're not good at the internet, so you probably like used one of your old like dark web email addresses or something. <laughs> dark um, web. So, friend of the pod, Ian Mondrick, is a comic book writer, um, comic creator, and he has started a subscription email service for free called the Blind Box. Um, it's Basically, he's going to be releasing an email every month with a short story or a short comic book series with accompanying art from creators that he's a fan of. And um, the first one he sent out uh, was a mini comic series called Statutes of Limitation. And then he sent another one out recently called, I think it's called The Green Lady or The Green Woman. Mm-hmm. I like did that. see that one. I haven't read it yet, though. That one was really good. It's just like a little short story, sci-fi, um, with an accompanying like um, image attached to it. It's really fun. It's a cool way to uh, follow Ian's work and to get him and to see him explore other genres um, in ways that maybe he couldn't commit to doing a whole comic book of. Mm. And like I said, most importantly, it's free. So there's really no reason not to sign up like i like if you're not super interested in that topic save it till later you know or skim through it or whatever but i think it's a cool idea for ian to you know give him a platform to share something for free with people who like storytelling and also uh you could follow some of his larger projects like tomb of the red horse which is upcoming so yeah check out um ianmondrick.com or follow him on twitter at ian underscore face and and join up to the email thread it's it's a fun time update i did receive the green lady and i'm looking at it and she thick and fine af and i'm gonna read this later (laughs) it's cool nice jimmy what are you talking yourself into so this is a cool one uh one that i i just sort of like i kind of ended up doing it and i didn't really mean to until the end and i was like well i guess it was something that i did um (laughs) i was talking myself into watching a new movie every day um so mm, at least for the week. yeah it was, it was a week of uh watching a new movie that movies that i haven't well not new movies they're movies i haven't seen and um it, it was fun and a good way of getting some stuff off my watch list because um funny enough i was kind of a film major and i haven't seen a lot of movies and uh mm. and, and dan makes fun of me a lot for it so here are some movies that i watched that i also recommend because they're all very good um, the first one was No Country for Old Men. I've never seen it before. <laughs> wow. It was really good. This this is awesome. I love this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that, was that really... you're not ashamed of this. No, I'm not. I mean, who's got time to watch movies nowadays, man? You're it's watching one a day. You do. Yeah. You, you do, yeah. Jim. I had to get rid of all my plans in order to do this. I literally couldn't do anything else except watch a movie when I got home and ate dinner and then went to bed. Um. Let's hear so some that was the ones. first one. Uh, the second one was The Invisible Man, 
which is the new uh, remake that came out. Yeah, and that yeah, was also bad. very good. Yeah. Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Uh, number three was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I talked to you fellas about it a little bit. Mm. Um, it, it was a good movie. It was a French film. Uh, it sort of reminded me a little bit of Call Me by Your Name and maybe yeah. a little bit of uh, The Handmaiden. Um, number four was Arrival, which is a movie that I know you guys like a lot. Um, mm. I've never seen it before. Yeah, that was fine. fun. Uh, I like it a lot. Yeah, it was, it was really good. It was a really good sci-fi movie. Um, number five, you guys are going to laugh because I've never seen it. Number five was Fight Club. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great movie. Did you um, know the twist? I did. I knew the twist because some jabroni spoiled it in some film class. Some that jabroni? Took. It's 25 years old and very popular. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're doing a project on it, so I can't really be that upset about it. And they're doing a presentation about Fight Club. Um, so now when I say his name is Robert Paulson, which I say quite frequently, you'll actually understand what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I understand that now. Yeah. Um, I also understood the the line from the original uh, Talk Me Into theme song, which had lines from movies. It had the um, one of the lines from Fight Club in there. Oh, yeah. We, we canceled that theme song when we thought we might be sued. Yeah, so we stopped it. We didn't do that. Do you still uh, have the, it saved? Yeah, somewhere. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, number six was a new movie that just came out. It came out the day that I was watching it. It was called The Mitchells vs. The Machines which is the new Lord and Miller produced movie. It's an animated movie, a kid's movie. Uh, starts I heard that's one of good, our, though. Yeah, starts one of our faves, Abby Jacobson, as the main lead. And uh, it was really good. It was really well done. And it definitely aimed towards children. Uh, but one of the da- the dad in the movie reminded me a lot of Daryl Wilson from um, Dungeons and Daddies. I thought it was pretty fun to to see that kind of like character going through that sort of plot. And I thought that was fun. Um, the next one was What About Bob, which I watched yesterday at my friend Cooper's house, which I've never <laughs> this seen. This list is all over the place. I yeah, and I'm exactly. waiting for it. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all very good. I liked What, what About, about Bob, Bob is was... the Bill Murray movie, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. We watched that last night and it was very enjoyable. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to keep on watching a movie a day because it was a lot and <laughs> I had to move all my plans out of out of the way in order to do it. But um, Yeah. That's what I was talking myself into, and I don't regret doing it. If this was an episode of Family Guy, there'd be a cut scene when Jimmy said, I had to move all of my plans. It would just cut to <laughs> him looking at his cats and saying, I can't do it. <laughs> it was mostly video games I, I didn't I I didn't have any time for. Gotcha. Jeff, what are yep. you talking yourself into? Well, boys, it's been it's been a long year. Plus, everybody just wants to wants it to end. They want everything to stop and be normal again. It feels like this winter has been eight months long and cold and shitty. (laughs) So I've been talking myself into being outside, which isn't really a difficult thing to do. But it's like it's finally getting nicer out after the eternal winter that was 2020. And I've been working from home for the last four months every single day. So any chance to just get out is nice. And now I have a a little tiny baby who uh, can enjoy outside, too, because she was born in cold times in the dark (laughs) times. So, yeah, it's just night. Yeah, we just, uh, you know, I'll walk around the parking lot. We'll go to like a, a trail to walk, go on a hike, go to the zoo yesterday, which. Yeah, you uh, did. Sure did. It's just nice being outside. And today, uh, while we record inside for hours and hours and hours, it's 73 degrees and sunny. So I'm just, uh, can we stop recording? 
I know. I'm currently looking out the window. It's sad. Yeah, <laughs> me too. My window's open. It's sunny. My wife is like, it's really nice outside. And I'm like, I have to go talk to my internet friends about a TV show from 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, Sorry. internet friend. <laughs> um, question. Have you had an opportunity to take shoes and socks Whoa. off? Oh, you're going to have to edit that out, Jerry. Her name is Jeff Rina. Yes. Oh, are we doing that? Okay. I'm yes. not, uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm not saying your name on here either. Oh, okay. Uh, so, because the deep state is after you. No, I'm just. <laughs> I don't want to. You are totally going to be your mom when you get older. Um, so, question: <laughs> Have you had an opportunity to take Jeffrina's little booties and socks off and put her barefoot in the grass yet? Uh, no, we haven't done that yet. Oh, I know that sounds like an odd thing, but when you put babies in the grass and let them crawl around i mean she probably doesn't really crawl that she can't much crawl yet, yet no she's rolling so over maybe i'm getting ahead of myself because yeah, i've are. not been allowed to meet this baby yet but we we took her to the beach one day because it was like nice out and sunny and we got to the beach and it was like 50 degrees and then we just left <laughs> we were like that's the ocean we'll come back when it's not cold <laughs> yeah that's fine awesome. and she was asleep but, the entire time but seriously getting that baby to experience new textures like grass and sand yeah. is so funny. They always have the craziest reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now the texture that she likes is my beard and mustache because she grabs it <laughs> all the time. I'm like changing her diaper and she just like reaches up and pulls on my arm hair. I'm like, cool. This is. Does Lindsay wear earrings? No, but her glasses are constantly oh. being pulled off of her <laughs> face and smudged. I'm yeah. Because sure. when Evie was a baby, she used to grab for earrings constantly. Yeah, she grabs her hair a lot. She grabs my beard and mustache whenever she can. I was telling you off pod that um, she sucks on her fingers. And then the other day, one second after her hand was in her mouth, they were in my nostril. So that was that was <laughs> great. And the moral of the story is go outside more. <laughs> go outside more or you get baby boogers in your nose. What? <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy of Jimmy Fitch Incorporated, which is a company that I just made up now in my head for you to be the CEO of. He is Jimmy Fitch of Jimmy Fitch's blogs, though. Yes. I think that's what he was going for, but he didn't want to do the same joke that he always does. So he came up with the incorporated. My boys really know me. Uh, (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) uh, Dan and I are going to talk into a show called Rescue Me. Uh, it is a show that stars Dennis Leary, who is a comedian, um, in the role of, I don't remember his name because I've done no research uh, Tommy. before. Tommy, Tommy Gavin. Tommy Gavin. That's correct, sir. And RoboCop's in it. And let's watch it. The end. <laughs> um, no, but he he is a firefighter. And this, this show came out like 2004. So it's very much post 9-11. And I mean, mm-hmm. they address that throughout the show. It's about being firefighters in New York City um, post 9-11 dealing with ptsd dealing with loss um with uh, familial relationships work relationships um other demons and the show sure it it focuses on dennis leary but it has a very bright cast of characters um of all ages like there's there's probies who are like new firefighters going all the way up to like chiefs and it's uh it's a 
dramedy, you want to say? Yeah. So it, it is dramatic, or but it is very Black funny. comedy. Yeah, it is a black comedy. So, I mean, Dan, is there anything you want to add? Because, like, I don't well, know I how mean, much one we thing should that say I right think, now. Yeah, one thing I think you should know going into the series, um, because it is a little jarring, is that the show uses an effect um, that basically... Tommy is confronted with ghostly apparitions slash hallucinations of his fallen comrades. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not clear as to whether um, how real that is or how much of it is just him projecting his own guilt and things like that. Um, But it's definitely sort of a trope of the show, I would say. And it and it goes pretty much throughout the series, I think, Um, because Tommy does feel a lot of guilt. Um, not yeah, just there's for, a lot of survival guilt and mm. not just that, but also uh, don't want to get spoilery, but he has done some things since 9-11 that are outside of, let's just say, the Brotherhood Code of Conduct or mm. the Firefighter mm. Bro Code. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think it's um, it is very much not in the cultural zeitgeist. I No, not at all. I think I <laughs> nobody think I talks saw, about this show anymore. No, I saw the logo pop up on Hulu and I was like, I haven't seen that since the finale. I would like to watch this again. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm wondering now because like I said I haven't watched it since it ended over 10 years ago. I assume I don't know when it actually ended, but 2011. I'm kind of worried <laughs> how <laughs> If this yeah. is if this is going to hold up, yeah, <laughs> there might be problematic stuff in this show. I haven't seen it since it ended either. Um, we're going to have to see. I remember enjoying it. I remember thinking that it's not like life changing, but that it had it. It has sort of like um, the air of prestige TV around it, mixed with just dark comedy, which I thought was yeah, kind of cool. It, it has you invested in the characters. You actually like the character, and you want to know what happens. And like, there are a lot of cliffhangers in this show. Like, sometimes you'll wa- you'll watch it one week, and you'll be like, "Did that really just happen?" And then you have to wait until the next week to see it. And mm. and you don't really expect that from shows like this. But like, I remember. I started watching this when the first episode came out. This guy I was working with, like, his dad was a firefighter. He was all into firefighter stuff. So we were both just watching the show, and we'd come into work like, hey, did you just see it? Like, it was one of those shows for us. And, I mean, it was popular for its time. It ran for, like, six or seven seasons. So it's not like it was, you know, some small show. But, yeah, it's – it's. I remember it being very good and very funny. Yeah, I mean, I think one strength that definitely carries through is that it, Jeff's right. It did have an awesome ensemble cast. Jimmy, when you watch this, you're probably going to recognize oh, a ton guy. of these actors oh, from guy. other oh, things. That guy. Yeah. And, and it was an early show for a lot of these people. But yeah, um, Jeff, we haven't spoken about this off pod. Uh, did you have an idea of where you no want to go with it as far as episodes? No, we'll look at that after and let Jimmy know and put it in the show notes. But right now, I don't know. Yeah, so you'll see in the show notes which episodes we're going to have Jimmy watch and um, check it out. And when we come back, we're going to be spoiling those episodes. Okay. Rescue Me is a TV show that we just watched, and uh, I'm, we're talking about it. It's it's the show from the early 2000s, the early aughts. The as some early would say. aughts, as yeah. early as aught four. Yes, aught four. 
look, look at me. Look at look at me, guys. Look <laughs> at us. Look at look at all of us. Yeah. Aren't aren't we just guys hanging fellas hanging out? We sure are. That's how this works. That's what podcast. this show is arguably about. Fellas hanging out and sometimes Let's, fighting fires. We should change the name of this podcast to Fellas Hanging Out and Not Fighting Fires. <laughs> yeah, that's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> that's yeah. a pretty good podcast name, right? So a little behind the scenes, uh, as you fellas know, my dad was supposed to be a part of this. Um, <clears throat> he is a firefighter. Uh, he is this is one of his favorite shows of all time. So he was very excited to talk about it, but he can't unfortunately be here because of a little COVID scare. Uh, luckily, he's fine. He just tested negative today. Uh, so everything's fine. Praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Glad he's doing good. But just know that in an alternate universe, my dad would be here and uh, talking me into it along with the fellas. Shout out to five star Sean. Five star Sean all the way. <laughs> So, so Jim, uh, let's get into it. Episode yeah. one, Guts. Yeah. So it starts off and uh, we were met with uh, Tommy Gavin, who is a, a firefighter post 9-11. We've all talked about it. Um, and he is currently in a bathroom and then some smoke starts filling up and find out it's not real. It's all a dream. It and, was all a dream. And that's when we I uh, used to read Word Up magazine. Okay very cool uh it, it this is where we pretty much find out that he's having a whole lot of uh some guilt trips uh hallucinations yeah, it starts out pretty quickly too i mean throughout these we're going to talk episode by episode but themes throughout these three episodes and the series mm -hmm. um you quickly see that he sees ghosts of right. people that he was close to or that he tried to save and couldn't save things that haunt him so there's there's definitely survival guilt um, oh, like yeah. when when we, he sees we, jimmy um his cousin who passed on 9 11 they only found mm -hmm. a finger little baby um, cousin jimmy <laughs> we should yeah. say um in the first episode first half of the episode we weren't sure how many episodes we were going to watch we watched the first three episodes as you can right. see in the show notes so we're going to be spoiling uh episode one guts episode two gay and episode three kansas in this and segment. it's not it's not exactly like a cliffhanger we just picked three episodes right. um so there, there's a lot. We'll, we'll get to that later. But yeah, and so, Jimmy, so as Jimmy uh, said, we met Tommy Gavin, played by Dennis Leary. He's definitely suffering from some survivor's guilt. Uh, as Jeff alluded to, it's sort of a traditional like haunting trope. He's seeing the dead that he was close to and was unable to save. Uh, Jimmy, he's got some real life drama going on, too, in his family. What's up with that? Yeah, his wife is uh, divorcing him. And uh, it, it's basically... It seems like it's pretty much like almost finalized at this point. Um, yeah, they're it, separated, but Tommy right. has either rented or purchased the house literally across the street, which yes. is nice and awkward. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if I would do that, but you know, he's he's uh, he's well, Tommy I mean, Gavin. He's, I mean, he's he has three kids, so he wants to be near his kids. I get That's that. True, and yeah. he also, as he references, has a quote unquote super secret plan to get back with his wife Janet. Right. Uh, Even though they don't seem like they love each other a lot, or at least they haven't fixed any of their issues. They're still fighting openly, very right. viciously, and treating each other pretty poorly. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, Tommy's a traditionalist, and I I think he's more upset with the idea of being divorced than actually being divorced from this woman who he's very contentious with. Right. 
Uh, we see more of that, especially in episode three, Kansas. But I just want to sort of set the stage of what's going on in Tommy's life. That's well, true. I mean, you, you also see where um, he has a conversation with Franco. And, you know, th- this episode is pretty much just like a introduction to the cast and crew. So you're introduced to a lot of people, mm-hmm. not very plot heavy, but Franco is one of the main uh, crew members, cast members, and he's the ladies man. And he was talking about, you know, like when when you're getting a divorce or when you get divorced, you know, go go lay some pipe, Tommy. Um, <laughs> and and it cuts to a, a scene of Tommy hitting on this girl on a club at right. a post separation. And then he lies and says that he hooked up with her. But then it cuts back and he's like, you know, I'm like, it's complicated. I'm kind of in this relationship. So there is he's still like loyal ish even though he doesn't have to be so like he does want to be back with janet i wouldn't say that he hates her but it no. is it is a, a a weird relationship that they i have. almost get the vibe though and jimmy like weigh in on this but it seems like tommy has not really committed to the fact that his relationship is over like he never even really considered being single like the scene that jeff's referring to I don't think Janet was having that conversation with anyone, his his soon-to-be ex-wife. Tommy just assumes that he's married and that this is going to go back to normal. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I see it all the way that way. I mean, you guys know more of the plot than I do, um, but he does have this like conversation with uh, Hallucination Jimmy. Um <clears throat> When he's just like in his living room talking with them and he's basically saying like, you know, I love her, but like I'm not in love with her anymore. And like it it was this whole like big like scene. And it was actually really interesting, too, because that was like the first moment where I was like, oh, Dennis Leary is actually like a decent actor. Yeah, Um, I was actually pretty surprised about that. Um, I don't know why, but I was like, oh, I could totally see why like he like really leads the show and stuff um well because the character he's playing is basically his own personality (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's not that that big of a stretch yeah i think you raise a good point though jim i think um tommy's not necessarily like super in love with janet and that's why he wants to continue in the relationship uh he's so not introspective that when i i forget if it's franco or someone asks him like do you still love janet It seems like he's never even thought about that. Like, he just blurts out. He's like, well, she's the mother of my kid. Like, right. Or is that him being macho and can't admit anything about feelings? Because that's also a theme through the show. Um, Yeah. You know, machismo and masculinity and repressing your feelings. And we see that with Lou, with uh, the poems and stuff that he's writing in private. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. I think that's definitely something that the series tries to delve deeper is like does tommy have an inner voice that he's covering up or is he running away from those feelings right it's also very funny trying to get information about uh uh, his ex-wife's boyfriend too with the kids yeah. he just like lays out a bunch of money on the table and like, then play a game yeah and it was very funny <laughs> he just like asked like a big question and nobody answered he was like all right we'll keep that for the 50 dollar question and like it, it was just very funny and i i enjoyed that scene a whole lot too um i guess we could say a little bit about the show too is that like it is a very dark humor kind of show as well um yeah, right it, it is very enjoyable I, I definitely enjoy that kind of comedy too and and it also mixes very well with the drama that's going around too and it, i would definitely say it's a good dramedy show 
Yeah, um, and it's also uh, very not PC. Uh, no, uh, this, we'll get into that in the next episode, I believe. Yeah, um, I mean, Jeff referenced that this first episode is not very plot heavy, but one thing it does that's I would say is sort of the backbone of the episode is the introduction of the new probationary firefighter, Mike. Yeah, Proby. Mike. Proby yeah, great. or new Mike. I love that scene where he's like, oh, there's already a there's already he's a like guinea Mike mics. up in ladder yeah. or so and so. And 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 he's like throwing out all these horrible names. And he's mm-hmm. like, so what's he going to be? Oh, new Mike. This is new Mike. <laughs> he was like, what if I'm here for 10 years? And Dennis Leary's just like, don't don't plan on it or something like that. Yeah. It's funny. Um, yeah, that was pretty good, too. And um, we definitely get more into uh, Tommy's like hallucinations, his guilt things like that and uh by the end of the episode too he's kind of like falling off the wagon he's drinking again and uh he's on a beach and when he's walking away from the beach all of his hallucinations just follow him and i was like that is some good f-ing direction sorry jim sorry jim yeah um, i was gonna ask you about that scene because you're a video boy yeah um and like so th- this show you know it came out in 2004 it's around the time that Sopr- sopranos is huge and, you know, we're, we're getting into what Dan loves to say on the show, prestige television. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's there's a lot of scenes. And I was going to ask you, Jimmy, if this was like just a thing <laughs> that was a style choice back then or if it was like a technical thing, mm-hmm. like in the darker scenes, it seems really like gritty, kind of nope. like how Rocky Balboa <laughs> was shot. I was going to say that just like I literally wrote down the same thing. And I I was like, that is just bad cameras. Um, yeah. OK. Digital so artifacts. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I didn't know is I didn't know if that was a choice because I've seen it in a lot of like, you know, serious dramas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then we get to that last scene and it didn't have digital artifacts and it was like the sunset on the beach and it was really well shot. Really. I I think that it was like framed really nicely. And it's not something at this time that I saw much of at all, especially on a channel like FX, which over time has become, you know, there's a lot more shows that have been on FX since then. But Mm -hmm. at this time, this was one of the first like long running hour long drama series around like with nip talking shows like that Mm -hmm. on this channel. Yeah, it's funny to me because with this era of FX, I always think of Always Sunny and Always Sunny is like literally like the the most bare bone crew, especially the first season of that show. Oh, yeah. Like the first four by three. SD. yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's fun to see like a show from this era that actually has like a little bit of prestige with it, um, even yeah. though the, the cameras aren't the best. I mean, they still look a whole lot better than Always Sunny. It, that's true. And at least it's not in standard definition. Right. But this this feels like to me and I noticed the same thing Jeff did. This feels like. Okay, this was a pilot, so right. it's likely that it was either like self-financed or financed through a small production company and then pitched to FX and other networks. So I would not be surprised if they were like, listen, we got to sh- shoot these shows on such and such camera, you know, digital camera, but we'll spring for a film camera for this last scene just because it's like beautiful. Mm. That's what it feels like to me. I could like see they, that. They probably rented a nice camera for one day shooting or something yeah they've done that but i'm i'm pretty sure like production companies have done that just for like really cool shots and stuff like that so uh that would make sense yeah and i i mean this is out of order but yeah i also think that the way they um not even from a cinematography point of view but just from a writing um it's hard in these types of shows that have a lot of like world building like we have we have to understand 
you know, that it's post 9-11, that Tommy lost all these people, that he's from New York, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I think the scene where Tommy is addressing the new class of proby firefighters is, and he's got that sort of drill sergeant role. He's like a guest speaker. I think that's like a really smart way to drop you into the world and give you all this exposition dump without it feeling like forced. Mm hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. And apparently I'm the only one who noticed it. Uh, no, I was waiting for Jay to respond to that. I do like in that because like, I mean, I've seen this series twice through before, not since it ended. So I'm, I still don't remember a lot. But in that opening shot, the camera goes by Proby, but doesn't focus on him. So he's just, yeah, a he's face just in the one crowd. of the crowd. Yeah, yeah. So then when he comes back in, you realize that, oh, this is a main character of the show. Right. Episode two, aptly titled Gay. Yes. Yeah, and and I mean, when we picked episodes after last week recording, uh, Dan and I were like, oh, man, do you think that this show is like not going to hold up well? And Dan's like, well, episode two is called gay. And <laughs> let, let's see. And I didn't remember like I, when I'm watching it, I remember that these events happen, but I forgot 100 percent everything about this. And um, Jimmy, how did you feel about this episode? You know, <sighs> I have to kind of look at it from the era. I know that's not really a, a politically correct thing to do, um, but especially like growing up with these kinds of, well, I wouldn't say these kinds of people because the people in the fire departments that I've been around are not like this, but they, <laughs> they'll, they'll say things that are a little like, little off color, I guess we could say. Um, but like, I sort of get what they're going for, especially in this time, there was a whole lot of gay panic. Um, and I totally see, I see where they're going with it. Um, because we, we don't get the full arc of this, like sort of story that we, that we get from this episode, but no, um, and, and I mean, we're, we're jumping around. So, I mean, you could talk about what happens in the next episode, but this is, this is an arc that continues beyond the three episodes that right. uh, we watched. And I think that even though now it may see may seem off color because it is the characters are off yes. color um the intentions of the show i believe are not um because you see the reason for all of the negative language the slurs the attitudes which is a real thing and especially with um jerry the is he the, he's the captain or the chief i think he's the chief right I believe the chief. He's one of the chiefs. I, yeah. yeah. There's another chief who is somehow higher than him. I don't understand the hierarchy, but he reports right. to another chief in the house. Right. So, I mean, you you have these these this ingrained hatred. So, there's a reason why uh, chief is homophobic um, and, like, really homophobic. Like, there, there's the homophobia there, but you find out why he's so angry about it later on. But, how, Jimmy, how do you think they handled the introduction of uh, this character arc? Um, I thought it, it's weird because you, you you see the characters, all, especially everybody in the fire department, you see them as all the protagonists, right? And, yeah. you, and then all of a sudden he goes and basically goes on a gay rant about uh, a firefighter that came out and apparently he was like, name dropping some people who died in 9-11 that were apparently gay uh, mm -hmm. i don't remember the specifics about it but he uh, basically said that he knew 20 guys who died on 9-11 who were secretly gay mm. and uh yeah jerry was upset about that because it would be 
like hurting their legacy or whatever, which is right. very problematic. Yes. Um, but like it, it, it's it was something that a lot of people are talking about in this like day and age of um, like people. Yeah. Leading I, I double lives. Right. And things right. Like that. Exactly. So I I have to say I it wasn't as bad as I was afraid it was going to be as far as like being problematic. Um, the this chief Jerry. I think we're supposed to commiserate with him a little bit more than I do. Um, they they made sure to make a big plot point of this arc, the fact that the gay firefighter threw the first punch. But for me, mm. none of that matters because Jerry no. went to a gay He's bar a yeah. in order right. to instigate this confrontation. Yeah, so I, mean, I don't... I- I don't, I don't feel any sympathy for Jerry. I don't feel bad for him either, even when you find out later that, spoiler alert, he has a gay son. Yeah. Which, oh, which especially is, then. Yeah. Well, yeah. But th- then I feel like double not bad for him. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, you know, because like you, if you are in this situation, you should be the total opposite, which you see a lot. You know, it's a lot of like the Republicanisms, like not until I had this thing in my exactly. life did I realize it. And he's the opposite. Like he has this in his life and he doubled down on his bigotry and hatred. Right. Which uh, I, I mean, uh, this this story arc goes way further than these three episodes, Jimmy. So right. I mean, we're, we're just touching on one of like a dozen different arcs going on. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil anything from the future, no, but either. all I will say is that the introduction of Jerry's son is literally just a drop in the bucket, like the beginning of this story. Yeah, line. that's what it seemed like. Um, what I want to say, one thing I think they handled really well is they did a good job of showing what I would consider the three generations of firefighters in this in this series. Yes. So we've got Jerry, who's the most conservative, most bigoted. He's dropping hard F-bombs all yes. over the place. Yeah. Which is something that I probably don't think would fly. He would probably be saying like F-A-G instead of the full-blown word. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he's like full-blown. Then we get in the same episode a subplot with the youngest firefighters, which is... Shaving um, his balls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's what's that character's name? I always forget. Sean. Ga- Sean Garrity, right? Yeah. Sean so Fish. Garrity and Proby are Just the youngest firefighters on the crew, and they're like the most progressive. So they know about metrosexuals, and they're like trying to like wax their balls. Right. And they this is the first time take... I've heard the word metrosexual in like ten years. It was very <laughs> that was a big that was a big thing. South Park had an episode yeah, about that. I remember in the early that. Aughts too. But anyway, so they're like the most progressive of the crew. Not enough that they're willing to stand up to Jerry's bigoted, you know, homophobic rants, but enough that they don't actually like say that stuff themselves. Right. And then we have the middle ground, which are guys like Tommy and Franco, who sort of like they're the middle generation. They'll talk to both sides. So Tommy will like. Right. Tommy will give Jerry the information to go attack the gay firefighter, but he'll also joke around with Garrity and Proby about like, you know, wearing nice clothes and getting facials and stuff like that. So I I think there's they did a good job of like sort of delineating how, you know, through the generations, this firefighter brotherhood is a little bit progressing, which also shows you that it's um, like the negativity isn't the show's intention or the creator's intention it's just the character because sometimes it's hard to separate that like if you have a show that's like just these terrible people well is that actually the just the characters in a story or is it the creators just putting their beliefs on screen 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would push back a little bit that at, at points in, in these two episodes, Jerry kind of comes off a little bit of a homophobic caricature. Some of the scenes in the bar where he's like unwilling to give his name to the guy or right. I don't know. I, I understand what they're trying to establish. And I think it is deepened over the course of the series when we find out about his relationship with his son. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty much just like a stereotypical homophobe at points in this. Yeah, uh, there, there's also some uh, stuff going on with uh, Tommy and his wife finds out that um, his wife is planning on moving to California uh, with her boyfriend and stuff like that. And I believe this is the episode where Tommy gets his um, his uh, Jimmy's kid to uh, basically hack into the boyfriend's mm-hmm. job and stuff like that. It, it, it's all very funny. Um, it's also a great rendition of what people in the early 2000s thought hacking was. <laughs> yes. Which, it was <laughs> Saddam somehow, Hussein with his name on yes. his chest. <laughs> it was very it's funny. somehow like always extrapolated to be like a cartoon on someone's computer. Like remember in Jurassic Park? Uh, 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 you didn't say the magic word. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what filmmakers thought hacking was. And I love that. Yeah. Is Sandra Bullock movie. The net. Do you ever yeah. see that? Oh, yeah. man, those chat rooms were great. They're all like little faces and stuff like smiling. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Um, yeah, it does. It's, I've seen it. So, yeah, that was a cool subplot. Is is it this episode or the next episode where we get the huge fight between Tommy and Janet out in the front yard? It's this episode. That's the, is that, it? What did you guys yeah, think of that? Uh, it was vicious. <laughs> it, it was crazy. Um, I, I was kind of expecting a blow up like this, too, because they're just butting heads the entire time. Um, yeah, but Tommy is super like abusery. Yeah, like in his language, and he's like, I'll, "If you take my kids, I'll find you and I'll kill you." I was like, "Oh, Tommy, that's that's a bit much." Yeah, um, I was kind of expecting that. It's Long Island. I mean, I do love that. Like in the middle of the fight, like everyone starts coming out of their houses and just watching them and stuff. Yeah, they're like, "Is everything okay over here?" Oh no, that was later. Um, when uh the boyfriend was leaving for the next episode, I think. Yeah, um, and she's like, "I got to get out of this neighborhood." Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I agree. It was very vicious, but I was kind of expecting that because it it kind of shows Tommy as like an anti-hero. So like, oh, he's he got some negative qualities too, you know? Um, I mean, he's not like a, a Tony Soprano or Walter White where right. he's going to go murder somebody, right. but he's not a good guy, right? That's where I kind of placed him too. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the third subplot that has to do with homosexuality in this episode. I mean, props to them for finding a way to tell, like, three gay stories in one episode and calling it gay. <laughs> yeah. And that's um, that's Tommy running into Jimmy's uh, widow, Sheila, at the grocery store. Oh, right, right. I forgot so, about so this. So Jimmy's, Jimmy's been on Tommy to check up on Sheila. And, and, and you know, this becomes an interesting thing you can analyze all of conversa- Jimmy's conversations with Tommy as to is this you can look at it as if it's a real ghost like as a right. you know a lot of like Shakespearean dramas would include like ghosts to you know forward or the is plot. it the the angel on his shoulder that's just there like, like is this Tommy's good id coming or is out? it and a manifestation it of as... Tommy's guilt does he right. feel like he's become True. disconnected from Sheila and I forget the son's name but Damien. you know yeah he 
somewhere inside he feels a responsibility to Jimmy's family and he doesn't seem to have been keeping that responsibility so is Jimmy asking him to check up on them a manifestation of his guilt either way he runs into Sheila at the grocery store and Sheila is with a woman and she is uh I don't know if I want to use the term that doc uh Tommy puts it in but he thinks it may be a lesbian relationship right um what did you think of Sheila, Jimmy? This is, she becomes a major character early on. We don't get a lot of her here, but yeah, I mean, I I didn't really get a whole lot about her, but I thought it's it's interesting to see like where this is going. I don't know. Um, it, it was intriguing at least, but I don't really get a whole lot about her. Yeah, I think um, there's some more meaty stuff in the next episode, which I'm fine segue into. Yeah, you sure. guys have yeah. anything else left to say about this episode? Nope, I don't think so. We can get into uh, episode three, Kansas, where we we see our boys are are playing hockey, and um, I was like, oh, of course they are because they're on, they're in New York and they're playing hockey and they're a fire department. Yeah. Um. So this episode is title entitled Kansas because, uh, Tommy threw. I I really need to find out Jimmy's son's name. I keep forgetting. Um. But he has Jimmy's son uh, basically, like, use his amazing hackery skills to find out. Oh, no, I screwed that up. Tommy finds a phone number on Janet's counter, and he calls it, and it's a realtor. And basically, he finds out that Janet is now looking for houses in Kansas, which is random. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it becomes more and more clear that Janet is just interested in getting very far away from Tommy and from Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just say that, uh, Tommy ha- is being blackmailed by Jimmy's son. Who's like, I'm going to tell my mom that you made me break laws for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he wants 500 bucks. Yeah. Um, so, so he goes over there and what'd you think of that scene, Jimmy? I thought it was funny. Um, especially because of course, Tommy's going to go there, um, and be like, all right, um, uh, the the money I'm giving you is the life experience, and of course he's like, "All right, I'm just gonna tell my mom then," and basically gets him to give him like all the money that he has, which was only three hundred bucks. And then he was like, "All right, that's fine. You can owe me." And uh, it it was just it was a funny scene. And then of course his yeah, mom shows up at the end. And I thought there's a great moment where Tommy tries to save face and pretend like he's still like a paternal figure. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm going to hold on to this money for you and I'll give it to you when you're 18. <laughs> yeah. And the kid's like, no. Yeah. It was very, he's funny. like, I'm going to call my mom right now. And he takes out his cell phone. Yeah. Uh, also the cell phones on the show are great too. It was like, Oh, I miss flip phone. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. Also we're introduced to uh, Tommy's brother, Johnny, mm-hmm. who Dan, when this show came out, you remember that it was um johnny was played by a different actor not dean winter right i don't recall that so you mean the always first, or yeah the first few episodes johnny oh. was played by some guy who i don't know why for whatever reason he left the show and then he was replaced by this guy so when yeah. i was watching the show i was like oh that's <laughs> weird they got like a new actor watching it now i think they just went back and maybe first of re-releases they refilmed it because the old actor isn't there i was expecting to see the old actor and i saw uh, mr mayhem and yeah. uh hmm. i thought i always was think of him as dummy fun. from 30 rock that too yeah that's funny yeah uh, I, and it's smart that they did that because basically these scenes are just like one-handers where he's on a you know cell phone call with Tommy. 
So they literally just had to film him somewhere in New York City wearing a suit, talking on a cell phone. Yeah. What, Jimmy, what do you think about the stylization of how they handle phone calls on this show? Because it comes up a few times. I thought it was pretty good. Um, obviously, it's cool that they do split screen and stuff, too. Um, yeah, with like the moving boxes when they're doing like a three way call or going right. back and forth. Yeah, those are all pretty cool, too. Um, I also really appreciate it. He, he has a phone call with his dad because... Uh, yeah, his, I love I love yeah. that scene. Uh, his brother says that uh, dad's acting weird, and uh, Tommy's like, "All right, I guess I'll give him a call." And then it was just like a completely normal conversation, but it had on the bottom there were text translations, and they were both speaking English, but they were basically just like talking about some random bullshit. But it was saying, yeah, I would like, say they're they're translating from repressed Irish American man. Yes, <laughs> it was very funny. I was like, "Oh no, this is how me and my dad talk." Um, <laughs> no, one hundred percent. Like that's that's the most relatable scene in this entire series. Every single time I've seen it, I was like, "That is accurate." Yeah. It, at the end, it was just like, "All right, I guess I got to go." And then it just said on the bottom it was like, "I love you, son. You you mean so much to me," or whatever. It was yeah. very funny. The wife won't stop bickering or whatever. It was very funny. And we should say that going forward, he is like becomes a much larger part. I mean. I think in general, we can say that everyone you've seen in this first three episodes becomes a much larger part of the series. Mm -hmm. This is a very big ensemble cast. Right. But the father is one of my favorite parts of this show. He's hysterical. And that dude is such a great actor. Yeah, that was pretty good. You're going to get a lot more about um, Tommy's relationship with his dad and what it was like growing up in that household and Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. We do have a little bit of a subplot um, with I don't know a lot of the characters names, but the the dude he's been writing poetry. um, That's Lou. Lou. Well, his name is Kenny, but he's lieutenant. So you just call him Lou. Oh, okay, That makes sense. Uh, I think I did write down Ken uh, because this guy out of everyone on the crew is the one who looks like a real firefighter. Yes, he does. (laughs) I was like, there's like four guys in my, my dad's apartment that look like this guy. Um, sort of chubby, sort of balding guy with a mustache. Yeah. With, um, uh, the Fu Man. He actually looks like you in your dating video profile. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. I can see that. Um, he was uh he's basically been writing poetry is sort of like his way of like getting past 9-11 and, and stuff like that and um there's this whole uh aspect of uh, i don't know who's been trying to get it get them in but they want to get like a psychotherapist in the fire department to like talk about their feelings and stuff and of course that was this whole big scene in the well, first talk episode about, of talk about their feelings in a post 9-11 world when right. a lot of these people suffered tragedies right in their personal lives right um it, just imagine the devastation of like what tommy says in the first episode he personally knew 60 guys that died right that day yeah it's crazy. so i mean Props to New York City, like, governor's office and fire department for actually trying to help these guys. Mm -hmm. But because the culture is so entrenched in this, like, idea of, yeah, masculinity and, like, none of them are willing to accept any help. We see Lou sort of reaches out to a support group, Mm -hmm. but... In the end, he doesn't end up going because there's this amazing scene between Lou and his wife, which I'm sure, Jimmy, you want to talk about. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to start talking about. There are two scenes, actually. The first one is when she catches him uh, writing it. And of course, she thinks it's pornography, which is very funny. Ha ha. And uh, then he basically like starts talking about it. And uh, (laughs) she goes, "Um, Ken this is poetry it's too pretty for me or something like that it was so good 
Um, oh, it's too fancy for me. That's yeah, what she too said. Fancy. Yeah, uh, very funny. I thought it was great. And of course, when she's reading it, she's just like, it's horrible, Ken. Like, don't ever have anybody read this. And I was like, oh, no, this poor guy. So, so she starts off and she's like, you can't you can't share this. You can't share <laughs> yeah. this, Kenny. And he's like, is it too personal? Is it too much? And she's like, no, <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. So funny. It's so good. Um, but I just love the words. It's too fancy for me. It's like one of the best lines of dialogue I've ever heard in a TV show. I also show. love... I also love that it's not good because so many times in this show, in this type of show, the like the the easy thing would be for him to be somehow like secretly like an, a poet laureate. Right. But the fact that like it is helping him, but it's also bad. Just not is good. Great. Yeah. yeah. Because sometimes like it's not always about producing a good piece of art. Sometimes the act of creating the art is what's therapeutic. Right. So you can see how invested he is. I love the scene where he's writing it and he's like, should I add another crash? Like he's writing a poem that every, <laughs> yeah. every line starts with the word crash, crash. And he's like, yeah, one more crash. <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. Um, and also he's like calling out to uh, like the support group and stuff too. I'm sure we're going to get some more of that later. If I was talked into it, you know. Wow. Um, and I guess like probably like one of the main plots uh of this episode is uh tommy's relationship with uh jimmy's widow sheila sheila yes oh oh and i just oh, remembered sheila. jimmy's son's name is damien which is fine yeah, yeah i said that Jeff i said, said that, that when you asked you said what's his name and then <laughs> i said damien and then 10 minutes later you're like his name is damien his name so is jimmy it was pretty subtle in these two episodes. I think Jeff will agree that if you're talked into it, Sheila becomes a bigger I don't character. Say, no, not just yeah. That. Let's just no. But what I want to say is that she becomes a more outrageous character, a more flamboyant character. Wouldn't you agree yes, with that, Jeff? Very, very much so. And I knew that there was like a build up to who she becomes, but. I, she was only in a few scenes in these three episodes and she is nothing like this yeah, throughout the rest like, of the series. We see a little bit of, I get flashes you see some of crazy it. eyes in, yeah. in these episodes. So she basically asks Tommy out on a date. Um, and there's a little bit of desperation there that I think is a sort of a flash of what's to come. Mm. But, um, I mean, Jimmy, we see that Tommy is pissed off that another firefighter has been calling her right romantically since Jimmy died. Yeah. And he sort of uses that excuse to beat up the firefighter in the hockey game when in actuality he's yes. more upset that the, you know, that he didn't make the right coaching decisions. Right. But what do you think about this juxtaposition of it's unacceptable for a firefighter to date another firefighter's widow, yet it's okay if I do it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little effed up. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really know where this is going to be going. Um, but it, it's it's interesting, I would say. Um, it, it Obviously, it seems a little... Um, I don't know the word for it. I can't think of it. Because, Inappropriate? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil anything of where it ends up, but I will tell you, um, I don't know if you picked up on this as a first-time viewer or if I just noticed it from hindsight, but it's very interesting to look at how Tommy describes his interactions with Sheila when he's speaking to Jimmy. So mm. 
whether Jimmy is a manifestation of Tommy's guilt or if he's something more supernatural or whatever, uh, he is not aware of what happens with Tommy when he's away from Tommy. So he asks, like, how did Sheila and right, Damien see Right. Him? And uh, Tommy's description of his interaction the first time is very forthcoming. He's like, oh, she was with this woman. I don't know if they're like lesbians or whatever. But on the second meeting where Sheila asks him out, he conveniently leaves that out. And he doesn't mention any of the, you know, flirtation between them or anything, which I I found interesting. It's like he's keeping it a secret. He knows it's not not the way he should be dealing with Sheila. Yes, I also noticed that as well. Um, So I, I think it's pretty well done. Um, it's funny too, because like clearly, uh, uh, Tommy could just be like, all right, you're a manifestation of my guilt. I understand why you're here. And like, he should just like know the like implications of like what's happening around him or whatever. And, uh, it's funny that like, he's still having a conversation. Like he's just like going around town, you know? Yeah. And I think he like rationally understands that it's not real because, he he says to him like you're you know you're not really here i'm talking to myself and right. if you're not here maybe this drink's not here right um and he he's also very comfortable with something that we see throughout these three episodes which is that when another person walks into the room jimmy disappears <laughs> yeah and he's like oh i was talking to uh the tv the cable went yeah, out for some which reason which is just like a tube tv on a <laughs> yeah. dinner stand which is just oh man it just feels like my life <laughs> yeah. your old life jeff <laughs> yeah that's what i mean like growing up it just feels like that is a thing that is in my house yeah i totally get that but yeah i mean i think those are sort of the big beats of these three episodes did you have any overall thoughts well, well hold on hold on oh, jimmy sorry. what did you because there's i mean this is a show about firefighters and we haven't talked about fire yeah that once. was gonna do that in my overall um, thought but before we get there jimmy what did you think about the firefighting scenes i really thought they were well done um Obviously, all the firefighting stuff, it seemed very true to life. Even like my dad texted me because I asked him to rewatch it because he was supposed to be on this episode. And um, he was like, this is very true to actual like firefighting and stuff. And I was like, save it for the pod. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, it's very real. Um, Obviously. So how many how many life size dolls has your dad thrown out of a burning building? Oh, man you would have to ask him because it's probably a lot um but um oh you meant during that scene of i, I thought you meant like training stuff but yeah that, no that when, he, when he pretends funny. that it's a kid and yes. three other firefighters like run to what they believe is a 10 year old burnt up corpse on the ground that was very funny um very dark <laughs> yeah but um obviously all the actual like firefighting stuff that's very true to life but like just like all of their personalities and like things that they would do like there was this whole big scene of uh i think it was in the last episode where um uh tommy's ex is basically like hey um the uh pipes in my uh in my sink broke or whatever and then of course this is like right off of like a big fight that they had and tommy's like all right i'll be right there and like that is such a firefighter thing to do like <laughs> this woman that i like i'm on the like verge of hating right now like fine i'll help you sorry jim sorry um, jim but it but also with the solution where he's like uh there's a part but franco knows a guy yeah can get it i can put it in tomorrow yeah um i was like oh boy that is totally my dad like my dad would do anything for my mom they've been divorced for i don't know how long 15 years um not that they hate each other but like 
it, it was just very funny. I was like, that is such a firefight. Oh, thing dude, to your do. parents don't hate each other? No, it's, I know it's crazy. Oh, man, you missed out on a lot of real fun times. <laughs> Yikes. I, I also want to, like, sort of comment on what Jimmy's alluding to, which is this whole idea of, like, the firefighter brotherhood. Yeah. I know that's, like, a big thing. And I think it they is, do. A, yeah. I think they do a good job of showing the good and the bad of that on this TV show. Yeah. So you see, like, how they're all there for each other, they help each other out, they cover shit you know they share things with each other but there's also the downside which is this first of all they enable bad behavior um because they're like willing to cover up for each other and stuff like that mm. uh and also there's a really interesting scene with jerry where he's recounting his relationship with his father uh which is like very dark mm. um yes. he says that basically his father was like a cop and when he finally like was forced to retire from the police force he spent a little time with his mom and then he tried to kill himself unsuccessfully he tried to shoot himself in the head mm-hmm. and when they went to visit him in the hospital he was crying and he was saying that he missed his family and and jerry was like we're right here for you you have mom you have us and he's like no my real family mm-hmm. and, and that, that yeah like, that's when you see that uh jerry regrets being a homophobic gay basher because he might lose his family, which is... Oh, I don't think that's what that scene is about at all. You don't? No, that's when Jerry is warned that his beating up of the gay firefighter might get him thrown off the force. That's literally what I just said. Oh, you mean the firefighters is his real family? Yeah, because like you now you know that he has a gay son and he's more upset about losing his firefighter right. brethren I thought you meant then actually family. caring about his biological family right correct I thought you meant his biological family. absolutely not yeah so that's a bigger concern for him than the son which we'll find out later what his relationship is what but uh spoiler alert not great <laughs> also just one you're gonna have a bad time <laughs> <laughs> just one more thing too of like the types of calls that they get are really funny and also mm. like incredibly true to life like oh like the piss waterfall yeah literally they, the first call that they go on it's literally just like jugs of piss that they had like just like strewn about like the stairs or whatever and um <laughs> he goes to the probe he was like taste it uh make sure it's human <laughs> piss and then everyone's like we're waiting and i was like oh that's such a true thing <laughs> and it was just very funny and, and then uh, there's as, also as calls that seem funny but then are like very messed up like the guy who's like the whole like apartment building is filled with smoke but yep. there doesn't seem to be any fire and they break into this old man's house and he's like in his underwear nailing <laughs> yeah. a door shut and they're like what's this guy doing and they're like where's your wife sir and he's like she's in there and they're like is she in the fire and he's like i don't know i left her covered in kerosene yeah yikes yeah but also the uh the fire scenes in this show throughout there's a lot of episodes that end on cliffhangers because it is a real threat right and anything can happen and it's it's not like other shows where like you know characters might have intentions and you're like oh they're gonna go and get this guy like bad things can happen to good people right. um and you just don't know when that's gonna happen or it just could be nothing yeah um so so there's always that edge of your seat feeling when you're watching this show throughout the series like that part doesn't end right yeah that's very true so jimmy we have a final push from a special guest (gasps) we do yeah here's your own father five star sean to tell you why you should like rescue me hey guys it's five star sean jimmy's dad I'm here to put a final push on Rescue Me. 
my take on Rescue Me is it is probably the most accurate depiction of the fire service and public safety, especially in a urban setting that has ever hit the airwaves. Um, just a brief history of some of the other programming that was out there. Uh, really the, the number one show that was made a lot of people become firefighters and paramedics was Emergency. It came out back in 1971. And that's one of the reasons I became a EMT paramedic and firefighter is because I used to watch that program. Um, it was really kind of cheesy. I, I still watch it today, but uh, compared to uh, Rescue Me, it's it's really like a kitty cartoon compared to Rescue Me. Um, some of the other shows that were up, uh, there was ever really anything good. There was a, a program back in the 80s that, that tried to do what Emergency did and never really took off. There was a William Shantner documentary type program called 911 um, that showed real life stuff with some actor reenactments. Um, and then, you know, 9-11 happened and I think they kind of scrambled to put something out uh, that would show what it was like to be involved in public safety. Um, Dennis Leary has always had a connection to the fire service, uh, especially in the Massachusetts area. He had a cousin that was on Worcester Fire. Um, and if any of you are familiar with, uh, Worcester had a, uh, a massive cold storage facility fire back in the early 2000s uh, prior to 9-11. Um, where, where six firefighters perished uh, during that, that uh, fire. There was um, a lot of guys going in to try to rescue the guys who were trapped, who became entrapped themselves. Um, today, they're known as the Worcester Six. Uh, Dennis Leary um, had a relative involved in Worcester. I'm not sure if he, was, um, if he perished in that fire uh, or was just related to... Um, to somebody who was there. Uh, but Dennis Leary started a, a, a foundation for fallen firefighters prior to 9-11. Um, when 9-11 happened, he um, started a, 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 the program up in, in even more of a earnest fashion. So <clears throat> the opportunity came up for him to do Rescue Me, and I think he just jumped at the chance and um, really did a phenomenal job. The character he depicts, um, Tommy Gavin, is just the epitome of every burned out firefighter I've ever known. Um, can do the job uh, to the best of his ability. Doesn't really want to know anything about uh, being recognized for what he's done. It's his job. He punches in, he, he goes in and does his work and he walks away. The, the depiction of the probie, spot on. The chief just absolutely, you know, I, I, I've known chiefs like that. The uh, other, the other members, the lieutenant, has always been, um, you know, that's somebody who is uh, just on the cusp of either making it to a, a chief's position or just, eh, I'm going to do what I have to do, um, and stays where he is. Uh, the other other firefighters they're there, um, Rico, uh, Rivera, and uh, Sean Garrity. Garrity plays uh, 
pretty much a dumb, just stumpy kind of guy and uh, does it well. And those guys exist. Um, I think you saw in the second or third episode where he decided to get his balls waxed and uh, suffered the consequences. Um, stupid shit like that I've seen happen. And um, uh, I, I won't name names, but uh, yeah, those kinds of um, incidents occur and everybody knows about it eventually. Uh, the ball busting that goes on is spot on there and jimmy probably can tell you from him hanging around with me at the firehouse that that kind of um camaraderie and um ball busting and yeah it's um not pc at all i'm um <clears throat> and i'm not ashamed to say that uh um you know we we act that way we're we're family we know the limits um my, my my crew at my firehouse, um, we've known each other for 15, 20 years in Derby, and um, we all get along. We we all know our limits. We know where we can push, where we can't push. Um, I, Jimmy can make a, a, a better description of that than I can. He's been there for a lot of the times that we're just sitting around and, and crushing stones. It, it's It really is a blast. The series is going to get even better, and and if you can push aside the PC, I know we're in a different environment now, but there's there's some coffee table and kitchen table discussions that go on. There's an episode that's going to be coming up, I think it's in the first season, where they're all sent to cultural diversity training and sensitivity training. That is absolutely fucking hilarious. Sorry, Jim. That episode alone is worth it. I... I can't think of anything else to say about this program other than it is not 911 Los Angeles or Houston. It is not Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, or Chicago Trash Collection. You know, this is this is NYFD. Um, they down and dirty, grungy. Um, they. It really shows what it's like to be on the the New York City Fire Department. Um, and you always know where you stand with FDNY. Um, quick story on 9-11. Uh, my, my service, New Haven Ambulance, I'm sorry, AMR, at the time we were helping cover into the city. And it was Saturday, uh, September 16th. And... During the day, uh, we were at uh, Chelsea Piers, and they were sending crews in eventually. And it was mostly for just to pick up people who got injured working the pile. And uh, about 4 o'clock, they decided that um, they they had their own internal promotions within the, the uh, New York City Fire Department. And they were taking back control of the scene. And we were at the command post, and... Uh, Battalion chief's vehicle rolled up to our command post and said, hey, guys, you're all set. Thank you for your help. We're back. Don't worry about it. Uh, we appreciate your help. Leave. So we were kind of shocked, and we said, well, we're here. You know, we can stick around till 6. And, and the, the new battalion chief 
um, kind of got stony faced, turned around, looked at us and said, I don't know if you didn't hear me or not, but you're all done. I don't care if you pay the toll on the way out. Get the fuck off our scene. That's when I knew that FDNY was back. Um, and that's the FDNY that's depicted in Rescue Me. And it, it really, um, it shows. Uh, it was a great series. It'll get better. Uh, there are some, like I said, some truly hilarious scenes that come up. So uh, I hope I talked uh, Jimmy into it. I can't believe I got to talk my son into Rescue Me. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> great series. I hope you stick with it. And guys, you guys are doing a, an awesome job. I love uh, listening to you every Tuesday morning. Um, I usually listen on my drive into work and I catch the second half on my drive home. I think you really have uh, hit a niche with these this programming and um, uh, you have my complete support. It's been, uh, I, I think you're doing really well with it. Anyway, uh, Five Star Sean signing off. Bye. Jeff, do you yeah. have any final pushes for Jimmy? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, this is just, this is like less than the tip of the iceberg what the show is. Like, we're not even introduced to main characters. Like, Lenny Clark plays Dennis Leary's Uncle Teddy. He's such an amazing character. Um, you have Robert John Burke, who played one of the RoboCops. He's Tommy's cousin, Mickey, yeah. who is just like... It, it another amazing character there's other crew members like needles and sydney that come on like you haven't even met them yet um characters you have been introduced for like we talked about sheila they become these bigger characters very interesting characters with great arcs and um there's also some great celebrity cameos which i kind of forgot about when i was just looking up quickly the show like i i know marissa tomei and gina gershon are on the show who yeah. are great actresses but also michael j fox has a oh, pretty yeah. significant cameo yeah. and his character is awesome like he doesn't play who you think he would play um he's kind of like a dirtbag uh, but yeah, like there's, there's just some great stuff. And as the show goes on, like they do take a lot of artistic liberties and they do interesting stuff within the medium. And I think that you would appreciate that as well as like the drama you've seen gets drama ear, <laughs> the comedy you've seen gets funnier. Um, it overall, it's a great show. Like I said, I've seen the series twice through and you know, maybe I'll, see it for a third time because i'm i'm now back in this world uh dan what about you any other final pushes yeah i agree with everything jeff said i'm surprised how much i enjoyed these three episodes and i'm definitely going to continue rewatching. i i haven't rewatched it since the original run um uh, the only thing i would add on to what jeff said is that i think the series unintentionally fell in a very interesting time for the culture of the FDNY or like this type of man, I would say in like mm -hmm. our country. So I don't know. Obviously they were interested early on in addressing these sort of issues of like homophobia, male chauvinism, racism, classism, sexism, all that stuff. But because of when it was created and takes place, it delves even deeper into that. And I think over the course of the series, you get to see a really interesting arc of how these characters are sort of forced to grow and expand their acceptance you know because as we know like from 2000 to 2000 you know 11 when this show ended 
it's a different world. The things that they're getting away with in these first seasons are not going to fly in later seasons. Um, right. even, and I don't just mean like their opinions and stuff. I mean, like we see Tommy swigging whiskey, you know, out of a flask before he goes into a burning building, like all that kind yeah. of stuff, you know, it's, it's a yeah, the show, world. The show deals with addiction too. And, and yeah, I mean like his kids have story arcs, like there's everybody grows in this show. And there are some points where I feel like maybe it might have started to jump the shark or kind of like dip, but over a yeah, long series steps. you have that, but as a whole i think it's a it's a good show jimmy do you have any final thoughts before we ask you the question ask me the question boys i mean jimmy come on were we able to talk you into rescue me yeah i mean like come on guys (laughs) yeah i mean like i I was watching yeah i was watching the first three episodes and i was like damn it i want to watch the fourth and like i I didn't want to watch like anything more because i didn't want to spoil myself but uh yeah i mean i'm gonna be watching the show pretty soon yeah it holds up better than uh, i thought it would i I was a little worried because i haven't seen it since it ended in 2011 um mm -hmm. but you know yeah, no, the show is really good. I mean, like, it, it seems very true to, like, firefighter life, which I always appreciate, especially growing up in that sort of environment. And um, also, it does have that air of prestige around it. And uh, it's a very dark comedy, uh, a lot of drama around, and I'm down for yeah, it. Yeah, one thing very you mentioned, cool. one thing you mentioned, Jim, that I do want to, like, just, just agree with you. I had forgotten how good Dennis Leary is in this show. Um, yeah, he is. It may not be a huge stretch acting-wise, like Jeff was referencing this is you know he created it he wrote it so it feels like him but he's delving into some things that are pretty deep and he's he's handling it dude yeah, i is really good i feel very old watching this because when this came out i was like 18 and i was like oh mm-hmm. these people are old like janet's this old mom and now i'm watching like yo janet can get it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i don't think they're supposed to be that old like i think tommy and janet are supposed to be in like, like their 42 mid to late 30s. or something yeah i think they're well, supposed to be like 35 36 no way because that's my yeah, age. i would say like early 40s yeah and like their daughter is like 16 or something well, we'll i'm gonna look it up privately off podcast because it's not interesting but okay. guys next <laughs> week you guys are teaming up against me yes we are and Dan and I are going to be talking you into the uh, what's his name? The, the director, Dan, help me out here. Lawrence I Kasdan. Yeah. Lawrence Kasdan. Wow. I'm talking Dan, myself. I didn't even remember too. what the next episode was. <laughs> oh, my God. Dan, you're going to we're going to be talking Jeff into the Lawrence Kasdan film, The Big Chill. That's right. But there's a twist. Yeah. What else are we talking him into, Dan? Do you know that one? Yes, we're also talking Jeff into the soundtrack of The Big Chill. Yeah, we'll get more into it next episode. Um, But uh, it's a movie that, uh, Dan, you talked me into a very long time ago. And uh, we're going to be talking our good pal Jeff into it because it's a good movie. Tommy Gavin was born in December 19th, 1963. So that would put him at 40 at the beginning of the series. That's correct. Yeah, he's about my dad's age. Yeah cool yeah jeff (laughs) yeah have you seen the big chill i don't even know what it is and also i was just reading wikipedia so i didn't hear whatever you just said we're talking you into the big chill (laughs) and it's accompanying soundtrack next week in the meantime 
Jeff, where can people find the podcast online or, or podcast, f- not necessarily podcast? People could find podcasts <laughs> at their local. Guys, did we just create a new medium, a podcast? Yeah. If so, what would that be? We would just like watch birds and lily pads and, and record turtles on logs. Yeah. This is a really deep cut, guys, but there's a there's a website called Pond Five that does like uh like uh sound effects and stuff like that. So it'll just be like compilations of sound effects. That's all it's I think going we to should be, launch a new Patreon only series called The Pondcast where Jimmy records us at a local pond. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. You could find the podcast at talkmeinto.com. We have a Facebook, I think. I don't know who uses that anymore. Russia. We're on Twitter at talkmeinto on Instagram at talkmeinto.pod. We're on YouTube. Search for us. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash talkmeinto. Lots of videos, exclusive sideshows, like talking shit and talking to myself. That's a lot of talking that you can listen we to. Do. Uh, Dan, where can people find you on the internet? You could find me online uh, at www.thepondcast.com. <laughs> um, that doesn't exist yet. Uh, in the meantime, you could find me on Twitter at Danny underscore breakdown. Uh, Jimmy, where can people find you? You can find me at son of a fetch, S O N N A V A F I T C H. On Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Jeff, how about you? Yo, the actress that plays Janet Gavin was like 36 when this aired. So yeah, she's my age. People can find me searching (laughs) Wikipedia for actor and actresses ages. Or you can find me on Twitter at J-E-F-F-F-F-F-27. That's Jeff with five Fs. The number 27. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? That's a bird note moment, only on the podcast. I just told Lindsay about a bird note moment because we went walking. We saw like this big ass crane looking thing. It was cool. And then I was and then we saw some other weird birds. And I was like, yo, are we like in like weird? This is Connecticut. There's not cool shit here, but there was so many cool birds. Then I told her I was like, what's your favorite bird? And then she told me and I forgot. No, she said Cardinal. Uh, And I was like, all right, that's basically Cardinals are like the bullies of the board. No, Blue Jays are Blue Jays are dicks, bro. I don't know if you ever seen Blue Jays. but They start shit with everybody them cardinals just do them and then i was like my favorite bird's cassowary and she's like i don't know what that is and i was like you know dinosaurs well it's like that like they'll kill you and then i told her how i heard it on a bird note moment and they're cool and they make like this deep droning sound like (laughs) and i tried to make a beat out of them in like 2005 but i didn't have the right technology and then i could never get the timing right or find good samples of cassowary sounds so i didn't is this episode over now What a dodo bird. (laughs) Yo, they're dope too. Oh, I changed my answer. Lindsay, I like dodo birds. Oh, you are recording? Sorry, I didn't hear you. Yeah, we all are. Okay. All right. Just keep farting around there, Pip. (laughs) Okay. Jimmy, do you want to keep going or should we start a new track? No, we can start. In, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, let's keep going. Okay, someone you bring us had me there. into this episode segment. Actually, I have to pull one thing up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what about him? Uh, the words say Jeff. Praise Come on. his holy name. Last segment.
Let's do it. Okay. Until the next segment that we record. <laughs> yeah. For the well, big it's the last show. segment for the episode. All right. That's yeah. what I meant. It is. I can't wait any longer. I have to poop. <sighs> Dude, oh my God. I'm, I have to shit too, and I'm waiting like four minutes till this episode's over. Well, I'm about to shit my pants. Gordon. I'm going to try. I'm squirting. Um, I'm going to try a new thing where I'm, I mark down every time people swear so I know where to edit. Mm. Or just edits in general so I don't have to listen to the entire episode every time. Mm. I'm going to try if I remember. I just assume that's what you did anyway. Nope. I listened so, to the entire thing. That's why it takes me so long to edit. 130 episodes and you finally <laughs> realize to take notes of time signatures and tracks. Where people All I swear. literally have to do is just hit the hit the M button on yeah, this. Yeah, because it marks it, right? Mark. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to try and do that today. You dumb f- <laughs> well, M. There we go. You've just been M. <clears throat> oh, I wasn't in there. There we go. There's an M.